Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, welcome to Hardcore Church Planning. Today, I have uh, a really cool guest because he's a friend of mine. He's also a mentor, and he is, I don't know how to put it, but um, I want to say that he discovered me <laughs> for my role for North American Mission Board. Um, he and I had breakfast, and he said, hey, uh, would you like to come work for us? And without even thinking, I said yes, because I had been watching North American Mission Board, and I had never seen a denomination that treated uh, church planners like the heroes in the same way that Southern Baptists do. So my guest today is Rick Curtis. He is the National CPC Director for North American Mission Board. He is developing all of our church planning catalysts as leaders. He has also been the Western Regional Mobilizer. He is probably the fastest moving man I know in church planning right now, moving all over. He loves church planters and church planting. And uh, anyways, Rick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Peyton. Man, what a great privilege it is to come and finally sit in this chair. So thank you very much. <laughs> it's long overdue. You know, it's funny because the people I, I think I work closely with, uh, it, it's, it's taken forever to get them on here. I don't know why that is, but, uh, you know, it, it, it talked talk to my personal assistant. I'm sure I want to blame him. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the mechanic always has the worst car in the neighborhood. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of the same deal. Close yeah. to home. Shoe cobbler has holes in his shoes. It is true. But hey, Rick, tell, tell us a little bit about how you came to faith and, um, and then how you got involved in church planting. Man, absolutely. Hey, so I, I was born in the, not, and raised in the church, uh, but it never really meant a whole lot to me. Like anybody else's story, I was 19 years old before I truly heard the gospel and responded. Um, uh, long story short, and immediately went into ministry, felt the call of God almost immediately, did um, some missionary work, worked with youth with a mission and and came back trying to serve, didn't know how to serve. I just went to the church I grew up in, the one, the one ironically that I never heard the gospel at and uh, served in, in uh, that church for about three and a half years, different denomination. And then um, exploring my call, junior high ministry, that kind of thing, went on to high school ministry. And that shifted me to unbeknownst to me, it was a saddleback church plant um, in North LA County, uh, served there for three and a half years. And then, um, and then basically took the path that a lot of us take. We were a, a youth pastor, then associate pastor, then church planter in the nineties. Um, and then from church planting, I went on to, uh, become a director of missions, which in our, in our tribe is, it's kind of a geographical guy, uh, assigned a geographical area. And then, um, was picked up, uh, shortly after Kevin came on with North American Mission Board, Kevin is our president and, uh, that's it. But 
that's my short ministry history. In terms of um, my own spiritual journey, uh, being raised in the church and never really hearing it, I guess, um, like so many of our stories, hit hard times in college, uh, kind of introspection, trying to figure things out when you've got so many different warring factions in your brain. And um, a moment of clarity came uh, through some some personal violations. I just I just violated some relationships that I had and uh, very, very poorly um, caused some great rifts. And one of those uh, individuals that I had hurt dramatically reached through that pain and invited me to church. And that spoke something to me that someone I could hurt so deeply uh, would invite me to go to church. And I went that Sunday and it wasn't mm, three weeks or so before the conviction of the Holy Spirit fell upon me. And uh, wow. shortly after that, I walked the aisle. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool, man. Well, tell us a little bit about your church. Cause I mean, you planted a church and uh, tell us a little bit about your church planning experience. Man. Yeah. So God used that powerfully to both, uh, train me, knock me upside the head, make me lose my hair, um, <laughs> and various other things. But uh, I, w- I would consider myself a, a successful church planter. We uh, we planted in the late 90s. Um, we were planting in an area that the decade before had seen over 200 church plants, and only two or three of those were still standing after that 10 years. Um, and um, it was for those who are familiar is the Antelope Valley area in, in Northern LA County. And, uh, it was, it made all the eighties and nineties lists of fastest growing communities in, in, in the nation. And so it just flocked. I mean, early church planters just flocked there. We didn't call it church planting really in the day. It was really church starting or starting churches or whatever, but, uh, it was just inundated with, church planners and I, I always like to say board. it was it was church planning before it was cool which makes it way cooler yeah. it's like a hipster yeah. thing all right yeah i'll go with that hey so there were signboards everywhere and th- there was a decade of church planning which made it really hard for us in the late 90s that were coming in and trying to clean up that that disaster uh because the general sense in the the psychology in the in the area was oh another one you know because they had seen a decade of church plants springing up and and crashing but we stuck to it uh we built relationally at first uh took that time uh you know, there was an era back then when it was all about marketing, you know, get a billboard, get 60,000 mailers out, do whatever. Um, and that was a typical model of church planning. And, and our church planners are so much smarter than that these days. They understand that relational engagement builds church planners and church plants. And uh, so it's a different world. So we, we kind of did a hybrid. We were building relationships in, in my home, but at the same time doing the whole marketing scheme and the, and the big blasts for the big launch and that kind of stuff. So it was funny in my, in my naivete, I, I was like telling the guy that was working with me as a strategist uh, with California Southern Baptist Convention, tell him, I'm going to have a thousand at my launch. You know, we, we hear that today, Peyton, and we, and we kind of chuckle, but we don't yeah. want to find guy's enthusiasm. It's great. We want that. But uh, at the same time, we want to crash the ceiling down a little bit on them and say, Ooh, let's get realistic on our expectations. So my thousand became 85 on our on our first service. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> about like, well, oh, yeah, I, was, that's a, I wouldn't snuck up on me that train. 
Oh, that's all right. Hey, so th- that 85 then became about 50, by which we built and we built and we built and we flash built. Uh, we hit over 200 in nine months. And after nine months, uh, we were continuing to grow. And that's when my world came crashing down. God had to teach me some hard lessons about mm. developing leaders and building leaders to carry the load. Um, I did everything myself uh, building to that point. And to be frank, um, that was the one time in my life where I actually doubted my call. We crashed from plus 200 to 35 overnight at the loss of a space. And, um, and by the time I could get out of that space, uh, and clear the lease on that space, my entire savings was decimated. Mm. And, uh, it was, it was really a hard lesson for us, but then we grew back. That's when the relational awareness came in and we grew back relationally, uh, back, it took us two, almost two and a half years to build back to where we had originally gotten in nine months, but it was healthy and it was mm. with built leaders and it was with discipleship and, and it brought us back to a place of stability that we could grow from that was strong. See, and what's really cool about that is you mentioned how, you know, you were doing things in your home, developing relationships. And I know from San Diego, you know, us living kind of close together that, um, when I first started working, uh, together with you, I would, I would bump into, uh, church planners like Dale Huntington and others. Um, one of our most successful church planners I asked him, so what made the big difference? And he's like, I, you know, talking to Rick Curtis. And so I kept hearing that. And I think one of the, the really cool things is that, you know, sometimes you have guys and, and they've just had the success. They haven't been through that breaking. And in many ways, they can't relate. Like you still have church planners or, you know, when, not too long ago, um, I know you're globe trotting and all over the place, but you know, you were having, you were getting back to that, just having planners in your house. And that was such a rich time for them because you've been in the trenches. You've, you've had the highs, but you've also had the lows. And that was one of the, the, the reasons I was really excited to have you come on here because normally if, if, if I've seen you come and speak somewhere, it's not just a, um, I'm just going to come and spill, you know, spill some conversation. And normally you come super prepared. <laughs> you've got visuals and being a graphic artist doesn't hurt, but, um, but you've got visuals. I mean, you are on your game and there was something you dropped when we were talking about church planting milestones. And I remember we were sitting there and I said, man, you need to come on the podcast. You have to talk. Nobody talks about the milestones of church planning. And that's what I'd like you to maybe spend the rest of our time unpacking today. Yeah, great. Um, I, you're referring to the milestones in like terms of time frame and church plant that I, w- I had mentioned to you yeah. before. Yeah. Um, yeah, so absolutely. I mean, I, I think uh, it's not just milestones. I don't think I think there's dangers and things to be aware of, as well as those milestones in different phases in a church planner's life. And I see it. I work with scores of, of church planners all the time. And there's this repetitive pattern that I continue to see that I really want to scream from the mountaintops to our church planners. Hey, guys, you got to be aware of these things, because if they blindside you, they're going to kill you. You know, it's, there's, we all like a good, um, a good mind tweak, you know, know, if we're at a movie, but we don't like the mind tweak when it 
hits our lives. I mean, do, do you remember when in the usual suspects, when you find out who Kaiser Sose is and oh, you're yeah. like, what? It's like <laughs> it's totally out of left field, just amazing. One of the biggest twists in movie history. And you're just blown away by that. That is a great thing to experience in the movies, but it is not a good thing to experience when you're a church planner. So, um, yeah, so I talk about all the time about things that happen in the six to 12 month time frame, the 12 to 18 month time frame, and then 18 to 24, 24 to 36, which by that time, most church planners are kind of getting their groove. But it's so it's particularly those first 18 months, man, that that that'll just kill you if you're not aware of certain things. You want me to just keep on Throwing yeah, things out yeah. there. So what what would the first uh, milestone be for a church planner? Well, I don't I don't know if it's a it's a first milestone, but uh, it's a first awareness issue. I think I think you really need you know as well as I do, man. We we use you and I when we talk, we use the terminology about our church planners being our heroes, and they're and they're in the foxholes, and and it's it's kind of hard being um, almost. Gee whiz, 90, let's see, almost 20 years out of uh, my, when I launched my church plant um, to have any street cred. But man, when you're saturated and you're around these guys all the time, it, you, you kind of feel like, and uh, this, there's no, there's not a, please don't misunderstand, there's no ego here, but you find it like you're the general and you're trying to help your, your troops that are in the foxholes to get the, to get the war won. You know, and, um, and but some of these guys are so they go out with so much excitement and gusto and it's like um, they, they're unaware that burnout and uh, self-doubt is right there because you go out strong. You're a church planner, man. You're a hero. You're 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 focused. You've got the weapons. You've got the you the guns loaded. You're you're in the hole. And it's uh, again, it's like that. It's like that scene where, you know, I mean, here's a here's a quick scene of recent history you've got wonder woman jumping out of that foxhole and and taking on all that fire and she just and everybody around her is inspired by it and they all look at her and she jumps out there boom, and, and the bullets are coming bouncing off her shield and uh and all that and i, I want to say guys you're not wonder woman yeah you don't you don't you don't have the tools yet you're, you don't you're have speaking the, my love language by the way you're speaking my love okay. language just i like okay. this yeah. kaiser salze wonder woman this is a fantastic yeah. podcast all right yeah i know i know you're a kind of a movie buff so so that's good but uh you know but that's that's what i want to say to our guys i say look burnout is coming if you're not careful self-doubt is coming when those when the bullets start flying man that you have to be aware that that's coming um, and, and that comes in a lot of different fashions. And, and before I, before I talk about some of the dangers of, of how that, uh, takes place in that first six month, the 12, 12 month timeframe, um, I, I would, I would say this, I, there's a, there's a talk I do about failure and, uh, all it's a, it's a long 35, 40 minute presentation, all to say two words, fail fast. I want to tell every one of my church planners, you're going to fail. That's mm. part of growth. It, it, um, it, it is an intimate part of growth. You have to fail to grow. But when you fail, fail fast. Get mm. back on your – get back off your knees, dust them off, and say, whoa, that didn't go too well. But 
We're going to keep on driving. If you're not expecting the failure, if you're not expecting the burnout, if you're not expecting the self-doubt, it's going to kill you. But if yeah. you go in with the attitude that I'm going to, I'm going to get through this as quick as possible. I'm going, I'm going to expect it and I'm going to welcome it and I'm going to get back up on my feet and I'm going to keep on plugging away. Um, that's, yeah. that's an important set to have. That's great. So, yeah. So six to 12 months, man, some, some, here's some of the red flags. I think every church planner really needs to look out for, uh, and they, they don't realize people are attracted to new things mm-hmm. and there are people out there. Um, hear me church planter. If you're listening to this, hear me, open your ears and hear me. There are people that have no authority in their life. They work in a cubicle and they're beaten down from mm-hmm. eight to five. They have no authority in their home. Their kids have run them over. They have a spouse that runs them down. They have absolutely no authority anywhere. Hmm. And they will come into your church and they will seek authority because it's easy to get. And that's not the guy. That's not the gal that you want having authority in your church. Be on the guard for those people that want to serve immediately or have a position or title immediately, really take your time with that. Use discernment. That is a huge red flag. And I've seen more church planners, our church plans just destroyed and decimated because someone seeking authority um, in, in their, in their church plant. And uh, you just gotta be aware of that. I would totally, totally agree with that. I've seen that so many times where, Absolutely. The henpeck guy ends up uh, just becoming a monster once they're given that little bit of power in the church. They're such nice guys. And then you put them on as an elder, whatever. And they, uh, my mentor taught me that. Um, I served yeah. in Lloyd Jones's church under one of the guys he appointed. And he said, you know, once we put him on as an elder, it's like he became a completely different person. And uh, I think that's why Paul says, don't lay hands on a on a man hastily, but, yes. uh, but absolutely, absolutely. there, I have noticed the same exact thing. It's, it's funny when you see these, uh, yeah, I, I've picked up <laughs> on that too. <laughs> this must be true. But, uh, so, so what are some other things at that six to 12 month? Yeah. So, so it, and it has to do with uh, reading body language and reading signals and just like this person that has no authority just to have your self-awareness real high got to work on your emotional intelligence as a young church planner you got to be aware of, of of body language from people and that kind of thing especially especially your spouse um uh, the sp- your spouse sends signals um that she doesn't even know she's sending in the stresses and in the environment of a church plant and um you and i both know Peyton. um uh, I wouldn't, it's anecdotal, but I, w- I would say 20% to 30% of our church plants probably fail because just the spouse does not have that same call. Now we try to get at that with assessments. We try to really unpack that in the preparing rich and make sure that she's feeling a sense of call for church planning as well. But it's not just about the ultimate church plant, whether she's called to that or not. It's about the little things that roll off of our backs as church planters, but fall heavy on hers. And, um, and so a lot of those, a lot of the times, man, Church planners just need to read the signals that the spouse is sending um, and be attentive to that because that's that's going to tank you in the first 12 months. Anyway, that's the most stressful time of the church plant, those first 12 months. And a lot of that comes, I think, um, with working in the urgent and not the important. Um, mm. 
you can you can you can look at some of my church planner videos. Do you mind if I do a plug here? Uh, you know, I've, I was going to plug them if you didn't. So uh, okay. yeah. Well, I, there's I, I do a, a urgent versus important, a time priority tyranny of the urgent uh, video. It's a it's a short two minute video that's on Curtis.net. You can go to Curtis.net, C-U-R-T-I-S.net, click on church plant videos. And there's a list of church plant video, <clears throat> excuse me, church plant videos that I do from time to time. I just do them spur of the moment. And, and, uh, but there's one on urgency versus importance. And I think every church planner needs to see that we have a tendency to work in the urgent non-important because it seems like we're doing something good. Um, but, Urgent, non-important work is simply spinning your wheels. It's mm. everybody that comes to you that has an urgent need and you want to be the, the, the best church planner you can be. So you're addressing needs that really are frivolous or should yeah. be handed off to somebody else. You need to concentrate on the non-urgent, important issues mm. that drive the church forward. If it's not important, don't do it. Hand it off to somebody else. Uh, because that 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 plays into the burnout. It plays into the self-doubt. I mean, you can feel good about yourself if you're doing urgent, non-important stuff all the time. If, if everything's urgent, but it's not really important, you feel like you're doing a lot. You're always responding. You're always working. You're always getting the accolades and the pats on the back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But none of it's important for driving the organization the way Father wants you to drive it forward. You're just spinning your wheels. Concentrate on the un urgent, non-urgent, important things uh, that you have to do to drive things forward. That's so good. basically those, those are, those are the killers in the, in the six to 12 month. Mm. Um, I, th- I think the, I think the real killers, those are, those are more awareness based in six yeah. to 12 because you know, you're getting your sea legs on you. You're, you're kind of learning and, and accommodating and acclimating. And, uh, but it's the 12 to 18 months that uh, I've found is, is probably the most brutal. I agree. People ask me, what's the hardest thing about church planning? And I say the second year, like without hesitation, that's always my answer. The second year. So let's, let's hear. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go into 12 to 18 month time frame. Uh, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, excite you even more with another analogy here. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I, 12 to 18 months, you start feeling like Phil Connors. He's the reporter in Groundhog Day. You know, yeah. they've assigned him to do the reporting for Groundhog Day four years in a row, and he's frustrated. He sees himself as more capable than he is. And then he wakes up, and he, on top of the, the, the frustration of four years of reporting on a groundhog, he realizes that he's in a day loop where he's going to have to report the rest of his life every single day doing the exact same thing and trying something different to get a different result. And, uh, man, once that mentality sets in, once, once you're in suffering from the groundhog day thing, it, you're not very far from throwing in the towel. So, uh, so I, I've got some things I would like to share that I, I think they, that need to raise awareness, but, but you've got to do everything you can to break out of that, that mode of repetition and, and just, uh, frivolous actions and and uh, i mean uh, i i need to be careful because every uh, most actions are important and necessary um except for like when we talked about before if you're just responding to non-important stuff but um but routine actions if you don't bring some variety in or mix it up or be aware that 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 
uh, you need to delegate and, and get assistance, man, I'll tell you what, um, it'll kill you. Um, so for example, is a, uh, if 12, if you're 12 months in and you have not built some kind of leadership pipeline, you're in trouble. That's what I learned. I learned it hard. Mm. It took me to learn it, but, um, I was doing everything myself. And now it's a difference. I, I mentioned earlier the importance of re- building your church on relationships, but it's different. Uh, relationship building is different than leader building, right? right? You can you can be you can be a in a relational context with everyone in your church up to a certain number, fifty to seventy five, most typically. But um, you but that is not the same as building leaders. You need to intentionally build leaders. I like to say, I like to say to church planners at 12 months in, I say, tell me who your leaders are. And they'll say, well, we got this guy. And, like, well, and, and they, they describe tasks. They don't describe leaders. They, they describe tasks, which tell me that he's not a leader. He's a manager. Assigning tasks is mm-hmm. different than leaders. It's management and a leader. I, I had a lot of ditties, you know, little ditties that I would use with my leadership team when I was when I was um, church planning. And I didn't come up with them all. I, I heard them somewhere. I don't most of them. I don't. There's a couple I came up with. But one that I used to say to my leadership team all the time is give your best to your best and let your best do the rest. And um, and we just repeated that every time, every time I, I just repeated it until it became part of our culture, because I wanted to instill in people that developing leaders that can make authoritative decisions is paramount. Mm. You need to learn power and release people, not just command and control, command and control leaders don't go as far as as empower and release leaders do. Um, you know, as well as I do, Peyton, one guy can only lead maybe 75 people. Yeah. You look at the state of the church across the nation and it's full of churches that run 75 people. And yeah. what does that tell me? It tells me that they're not developing leaders. I like to say it a different way. Uh, I, you know, I like to say, what if I could guarantee you 75 more people in your church? What? How, how to do that? Build a, build a leader. Yeah. Build an intentionally empowered leader that you release to get things done. Mm. Um, and, and if you turn around and do that, I, I just through experience, man, I can almost guarantee you for every leader you truly build, God will give you 50 to 75, maybe even 100 people. I've yeah. seen it time and time and time again. And if you don't build those leaders, you're going to stay plateaued uh, right there, uh, 75 75 people, 100 people at the most. So, um, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's so important because even, you know, historians look at D-Day, the D-Day landing, and they say that one of the major contributors to the success of the Allied amphibious attack was that uh, Hitler's um, leadership structure was such that um, they had to go straight to him for any major decisions. And of course it was, you know, three, four in the morning and they were afraid. His generals were afraid to wake him. They didn't realize how serious the threat mm-hmm. was, but as it became, they said, you know, we're, we need to let him sleep. He gets really angry and his generals were actually neutered. They couldn't make decisions. And so by the time Hitler was awake and they felt that they could call him, it was too late. You know, the, the allies already had this, this foothold that ensured victory um, into Normandy. So, uh, you know, it, that's lost the entire World War II 
um, world great. wars have, have risen and fallen on leadership. And, and, you know, in the beginning, I think like church planning in the beginning, that, you know, supreme leader that, that looked great. And it led to the ascension of, of Hitler, but ultimately it led to its, its defeat, that same thing. And I think church planners go through very much a similar thing. Um, like what you're saying here. And, you know, Rick, um, everything that you're saying is just pure gold. And I, I, I hope church planners that you, um, will connect with Rick, uh, in future. He runs Curtis.net. That's his blog. Um, it is one of the cool things about Rick is, you know, it, I remember when I was getting to know Rick at one point, he's like, Hey, uh, pray for my brother. He's, he's, he hasn't been seen for a while. He's hiking Everest and, uh, uh, the, the Curtis family gets around, man. And, and Rick has been all over the globe. When he shares with you, uh, church planning analogies are usually from all over the world, places he himself has been. And some of those things, he comes up with things. I think, man, that is amazing. Where'd you get that from? And so check him out at Curtis.net and also his, uh, his uh, YouTube channel, Rick Curtis, has a lot of the same of what you're hearing here, more of the same leadership gold. And you can check that out, Rick Curtis YouTube channel. And uh, Rick, any final thoughts before we sum up here? Yeah, man, there's so much. I've, I've taken so long and I apologize. But there, uh, if I can do some bullet points here, uh, we may not have time to unpack them, but they're, I think they're very important. I think... Um, Eight, 12 to 18 months, you got to realize, especially 12 months at the 12 month barrier, forced relocation or negotiated relocation is traumatic to the church, right? So if you've been planting somewhere, you got to expect that some kind of deal with the school or whatever is going to shift. The cost is going to get more expensive or you're going to be forced to relocate or you have to negotiate because of space or time or whatever. Um, just be aware of that. Um, here's, you know, Huge to the 12 to 18 month time frame is this stop um, pastoring. Uh, well, let me say it this way. The biggest danger for a church planner is to stop planting and start pastoring. The, the shift from winning souls and building relationships to maintaining the church is detrimental to a church planner. It usually happens in 12 to 18 months. Don't stop doing what you did to plant the church. Don't shift into pastor mode. Um, it, it, it just, it's harmful. Um, you can do that. You can do the, the, you can minister. Of course, you can be the pastor, of course, but don't shift out of planting mode. Don't do it. And then, um, Hey, let's shift real quick. Cause there's a few other things I would say about that time frame. Maybe I can come back another time and, and work on those, but 18 to 24 months, there's a, there's one or two big ones in 18 to 24 months that you need to be aware of. Yeah, this is it. the, this is the main one in the 18 to 24 month period. Key people, your core team, your, your, your people that you've built the deepest relationships with you and, um, you've built the deepest relationships with, sorry, are going to leave. Chances are a portion of them are going to leave key people that started that church with you. They started that church with you because they're starters, right? Starters don't stick around when the church doesn't feel like a start anymore. Once it's established, once it's going 18 to 24 months, I wish I would have known that 18 to 24 months in not to when, uh, right before we crashed from 200 plus to 35 people, 
But right before that, all my leaders were, were flocking out on me and I, I could not understand why I didn't realize, you know, I had recruited the best starter people that there are. They wanted something new. Now, you might call this the multiplication window, because if you're smart and you get ahead of it, you can start something new. You know, we're talking, we, you know, we talk a lot about planting our first plant within the next two years and, and multiplying our church plant. If you plan it right, you can use those starters to go out and do another church that you are the multiplying pastor of. And that's a great way to do it because you're going to lose them anyway. Why not discern who those people are and empower them to do a new thing um, elsewhere and multiply? Um, The big thing in that, uh, another big thing in that 18 to 24 months is keep asking, church planner, hear me. This this to me is important. This is a core value for me. Um, I would sit with my leadership team and I would say this. I say, guys, Tell me what I don't know that I really need to know. If you're from, not familiar with the Johari window, look it up. J-O-H-A-R-I window. It's, it, develop, it takes our knowledge into four quadrants. Things we know we know. Things we know we don't know. Things we don't know we know. Things we don't know we don't know. And it's that fourth quadrant, the things we don't know that we don't know that will kill our ministry. Things surprise us because we didn't see it coming and we need to know what they are. And your people hear things and know things and are dealing with things in the congregation that they're trying not to bring to you or they don't want to bring to you. Mm. And you need to sit down with them and say, tell me what I need to know that I don't know. It's like, here we go again. You know, you know, when Warden Norton opens his box for shoes in Shawshank yeah. and Andy's shoes are in there yeah, and everything makes sense. And he's like, Oh, it's all over for me. Right. That's man. You don't want that to happen to you in church planning. You got to know what you don't know. So, so keep that, keep that uh, mindset where you're always asking the people you trust, your leaders, your secondary leaders, tell me what I need to know. Don't and have that. Make sure you've, constructed the relationship environment so that they can say anything they want to say to you uh, without fear of of ramification or anything, that it's all about team building. It's all about future. And this is father's church. It's not your church. So whatever we can say to make it better, let's do it. So those would be the, those would be the big things uh, for me. Um, Like I said, we could go all day with it. Uh, Yeah. I'm just, craziness but uh well, i know we got to wind things down we might get you back i mean this is this is all good stuff man like you said every one of these points could be its own podcast i mean these are these are and i agree with you these are the lessons that people walk blindly into and you can learn it the easy way by listening to the wisdom of others that have gone before who are there for you to mentor you and to teach you and i know that's very much your heart or you can go, I don't need to listen to anybody and learn the hard way because you're going to learn it <laughs> either way. Yeah, you're so, going to learn. And so, that's where fail fast comes in. Absolutely. It, uh, if I can encourage every one of you guys that are listening, um, get a mentor. Find a mentor. You may not agree with everything he says. You may not agree with his methodologies. But if he's 10 years down the road ahead of you, you may not agree with his method, style, anything. But there's still stuff you can learn from it because he's walked a road that you haven't walked. Get yourself a mentor. Ask somebody. You know, when I was younger, I had one of the best mentors I think you could ever have. And he would call me up and tell me things. And I think sometimes just when you're a young guy, you're like, yeah, cool. I'll I'll take that away. I'll, I'll consider that. And I remember after probably the fourth or fifth time biting it hard 
just looking at my wife and saying, next time he calls me or next time he says something, if I don't do it, smack me, punch me in the head. I don't care what you have to do. Remind me that at this moment, I have told you, make me do what he says. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I won't see it at the time because I'm an idiot, but you know. It's it's instilled wisdom. A slap, a punch, it can do wonders. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll punch you next time I see you. <laughs> I, hey, I'd probably be better for it. So speaking of punching people, um, uh, at the end of every podcast, we do this thing, and uh, it involves a little smack, but uh, a little smack talk. Um, but what we like to ask, and th- th- this may even be the question that all of our, our church planners wait for, and, and the train, there it is, to signal... Like, like on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, when uh, you know you're getting to the end, the trolley comes through, and uh, yeah, that guy hated me. But what, one of the questions that we ask is, if you, and it changes every time, the contenders are an ever-changing cast of characters, but we try to pick people that, 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 that everyone knows. So I'm going to pick uh, somebody who, who you know very well. And uh, of course, the Sin Conference has been making its round. Uh, we've got the, uh, we've had Long Beach and there's Dallas and Florida. So Sin Conference, uh, has been making a rounds. If you guys can get to a Sin Conference, uh, Florida hasn't taken place yet, right? Florida is still, still we're waiting yep. for. It's coming up in two weeks. So, uh, make sure you can, you get, if you're around that area, definitely go check that out. It was amazing. Um, all of my, uh, church planner team in Long Beach. They had not been to one yet. I went to the one in Nashville, blew them away. Uh, but they were like, man, that was probably the most incredible thing we've been to. Definitely go check that out. But, uh, hey, if you're in Orlando, let me throw in, if you're in Orlando, uh, hunt me down. I'll be there. Uh, I'd love to shake your hand and say hi. Absolutely. Where can they find you on Twitter, Rick? What's uh, your Twitter handle? BR Rick Curtis. BR Rick Curtis. Okay. My, ding, my ding, ding. Here's, here's the bell for the, for the match. So what we do, uh, all that to set it up for this. Um, if you've been to the same conference, you know, Kevin is So here comes the question. If you were to get into a physical fist fight with Kevin is who would win? He would, because I'd let him pummel me. <laughs> I, I would drop, I, I would drop to the floor and say, beat on, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, I really enjoy Kevin's leadership and, uh, and, uh, it's not fair to ask about the president of the organization you work for. <laughs> it's uh, not Peyton. fair. That's, you know why? Because Kevin is the best at cool. smack talk period. Like you don't, you don't even want to answer that question no, with uh, Kevin yeah, because true. he's going to get you later. At a con- he's going to, I've been to hey. home week, man. He's going to, he's going to make you feel it. <laughs> hey, let me tell you this. So, so what, who, whoever would win the fist fight, uh, um, will remain disclosed, but, but the, um, the ramifications would be brutal because you think I have relationships with planters. Uh, Kevin Ezell goes over the top with building relationships with the planters and, and it's amazing to watch him do that. So if I did win that match, I'd have every church planner in North America beating the tar out of me. So I wouldn't, that's why I just hit the mat and say, go ahead, beat you me know, up. I'm you, good. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's worthy because it was actually, uh, before you and I had that breakfast, we we're in Buena Park and we were doing a planner care event and you came and spoke at it. And it was actually something that you said 
that made me want to work for Nam. And I remember you said two things. You said, uh, and they were about Kevin. Uh, you had said he, when he loves planners so much that he carries like a, a dossier that has the number of planners in every major city in America. And he knows how many planners, like he'll, he'll go in and say, Hey, how many planners have we got in the city? And if people don't know, people in leadership over that city don't know, he'll say, no, there's this many. And he prays over those cities every day. And the other thing is here he is a CEO of the largest uh, church planning network on the planet. And he basically said, um, I remember you saying that when he flies into a town um, and, and particularly even in your area, you, you'd say, I wouldn't even know he's here, but my church planners would tell me, yeah, he, he contacted us and said, let's go to dinner. And you're like, and, 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 and it just really shows his heart for church planting the planter on the ground. And I remember when I heard that, I thought, man, I, I, I want to work for a guy like that. I want to work with someone who has that heart for planners at that level. So, um, you and I are, our, our, our respect for him is mutual, not because yeah. he's our boss, but because as you mentioned earlier, he's a leader. He is a good leader and he right. inspires us. So, Hey, Rick, appreciate you coming on. And a, a, again, guys, um, it's Curtis.net and also it is, uh, Rick Curtis on the YouTube channel. Catch up with Rick. And Rick, thanks for being our guest today. You got it, man. Thanks, Peyton. Keep doing what you're doing, man. I appreciate you so much. You're knocking it out of the park, dude. Thank you, brother. Well, hey, guys, thanks for joining us for Hardcore Church Planning today. Our guest has been Rick Curtis, regional mobilizer for the Western U.S. and Canada, and also national developer for leadership for Church Planning Catalyst for the North American Mission Board. Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.